welcome back to another episode of Under the Lights. We've been away for a couple of weeks, but it's time to catch up with everything that's been going on, the good and the bad. My name is Tom Murray. My name's Callum Wilson, and this is Under the Lights. Well, in the in the uh, in the words of uh, Nigel Adkins, good morning. I hope you slept well. Uh, how, uh, how how are you, Tom? Uh, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, not a great deal to talk about, mainly because uh, we're in such a wretched run of form. But uh, how are things with you, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Been a bit snowed under. Lots of work. Um... But uh, I've kind of put it upon myself, and so I can't really have any complaints about that. It's all, but it's all good. It's all good. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I'm not not bad, mate. I'm uh, in good spirits, uh, despite the the recent run of, of form or lack thereof uh, with Saints. Um, sun shining, blue skies. Uh, I can't remember the last time we uh, we saw that, especially at this time. We're recording at uh, just gone five o'clock, and it's, uh, it's it's beautiful out there. So. Spring is beckoning. Uh, things to look forward to. These rates falling, the vaccines going up. It's uh, dare I say, looking looking positive, feeling positive, mate. Absolutely. I was actually thinking of that exact point as uh, waiting to uh, to start this, especially the one about I can't remember the last time you and I recorded a podcast while it was still light outside. It's, norm <laughs> it's normally done in pitch darkness um, outside, and it's sort of been very gloomy winter nights. But yeah. I mean, the nights are still drawing in. The nights still drawing quickly, but I love that when it starts just to get be a bit lighter, starts to get a bit longer, and you can just feel that spring is not too far off. And of course, only a, uh, a few days left of February, and then we'll be into March. And uh, I'm hoping that as spring comes and good times come back, maybe Saints' form can return to how it once was. Because it's uh, especially in the league, it well, it, it couldn't be any worse, could it? Uh, well, you say that. I mean, let's let's not get too ahead of ourselves. It can always be worse. Um, like you said, we're we're nearing the end of February, so uh, Saints Saints have played twenty three games now. We're kind of uh, we're over the halfway point. We've got ourselves twenty nine points, although that's the same amount of points we had six games ago. Uh, 29 from from 17 games sounds a lot better than uh, than 29 from 23, um, and a double header coming up for Saints, so an opportunity to halt that run or two opportunities to halt that run. You know, we don't need telling. We've been we've heard it uh, numerous times, but that is the worst losing run in the club's history. Six games on the trot. We've had some difficult times before. I certainly wouldn't say this was the worst team we've ever had. It's just one of those things, isn't it? And uh, I mean, what do you put it down to? Kind of a combination of, of everything at once? I think you have to, because in, remember in that run, we've had some pretty difficult games. Liverpool, the one we won. Leicester, Villa, Man United. These are, you know, they're, they're tricky games. Wolves. I think what happened against Wolves, and we can, we can divulge into it later, but it was... Um, I think the confidence is obviously so low at the moment and to have that 45 minutes of playing so well, having your best players back, you're basically a starting 11 that we were used to at the beginning of the season. Everything's flowing. We're playing some fantastic football. I remember your tweet about that Vestergaard pass to Walker Peters about mm -hmm. what we've been missing and you play so well. And then obviously it showed in the confidence of how low it was that as soon as something goes against us in the second half after Wolves being nowhere near in the game it just turns on its head and I think the team probably can't help feeling a bit not sorry for themselves but just as Ralph said in the press conference today like a little bit going against us and you know when that sort of things happens it's hard to get out of that mindset that the world's against you yeah and I think Ralph definitely took the opportunity to um to pass the blame elsewhere. I mean, let's not bother really talking about it, but you know, the elephant in the room, obviously uh, the two handballs, one that was given and one wasn't, why they were and why they weren't and the reasons the referee gave one, didn't give one, neither were overturned, all that rubbish just highlights another issue with VAR because uh, all the pundits were talking about it. But Ralph spoke specifically about that. And you're right, we were... Absolutely brilliant first half against Wolves. Um, the performance was there. I thought we dominated them. Um, the only thing we were missing was uh, was a second or third goal to really kill off the game. Danny Ings' goal was absolutely fantastic. I mean, Armstrong did so well. Armstrong's been a real highlight, I think, in the last few games. Probably been our best player. And, and Danny Ings, obviously, 
finding that scoring touch fortuitously against Wolves in the cup, but then um, not so fortuitously when that no. could have connected with that volley any better. I mean, let's talk about the Wolves game in the Cup because we're highlighting, obviously, the negative in the league. But there have been Cup wins during that run. And Ralph Hasenetal <clears> alluded to it earlier today in his uh, press conference that we talk about six losses in a row. And look, the media will make statistics suit their um, their own agenda. We, we've beaten sides in a run to the quarterfinal, which has set up a game against lower league opposition for a place at Wembley. So... Uh, I, I tweeted out that I think the vast majority of us would have been not happy, but we would have taken a loss in the league if it meant that we got a win in the cup. If you can only have one or the other, that's what we would prioritise. Um, we are, as we look at it now, we are 10 points clear of Fulham, who are picking up a little bit of head of steam. As a Saints fan, you're always looking over your shoulder. That's that's slightly worrying, but Look, you know, looking at that, ten points. Yeah, you know, we've got eleven points to reach forty. We've got fifteen games to do it. I know we're in a wretched run of form, but that should be fine. So we should be we should be looking at the cup. And look, if we finish fifteenth, sixteenth, rather than eighth or ninth, and we end up going to a cup final, then you know I, th- I think we'll take it. We we obviously the wolves. I mean, we beat Arsenal in the round before. So that was that was another game that isn't being included. And Arsenal's a team you didn't mention in that in that run of difficult games. And we we beat them in the cup, but we suffered in the league a few days later. Exactly the same thing happened uh in the Wolves game. And I don't think it's any surprise. The difference is obviously we've got our squad back, or we did have until Walker Peters got another injury. But we had a good squad back and we had probably one of our, you know, close to our strongest eleven out. And that showed in the first half, just as it showed in the first half of the season. What we're finding, though, is that this can't be sustained over a period of time. And yes, Hassanet was right to to be aggrieved at the way in which Wolves were given a way back into the game. But it doesn't excuse what happened after that. Um, And for me, we're playing a brand of football whereby if we don't put teams to the sword early on, we'll be in trouble later. No, I completely agree with that because I felt even even though we were sitting pretty at half-time, 1-0 I felt was never going to be enough. And I thought, you know, Wolves have got some good players and even if they, it only takes one thing to change at the second half and then they're back in it. And obviously that did happen. But um, I agree, I, I agree completely with your point that you made earlier. It's like, whilst you wouldn't be happy with, you know, exchanging a loss for uh, for a win in one of the games, as Saints fans, we would have taken, if we were to win one or the other, then you'd probably choose the FA Cup because as has shown with the amount of points that we are away from different places, the being in the FA Cup keeps the season alive. It keeps something worth fighting for. And um, that, that's exactly it. I mean, yeah, we're playing, we're playing against Bournemouth. It's not going to be an easy game, but it, you can have asked for a better tie, really, in the FA Cup of all the teams that you had available to you. Maybe Sheffield United at home, but Bournemouth is a. It reminds me a little bit of the Wigan one um, years and years ago um, when we got yeah. to the when we got to the semi-finals. It was a case of yes, they've just beaten Man City, but in the cup, it's all based on one game. And realistically, Wigan was the best team that we could have played against, even though they've just beaten one of the best teams in the world. So with Bournemouth, it's a case of, yeah, we can go there. I expect us to go there. I expect us to be at Wembley in the semis. But that's, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because it will be a difficult game. I don't think we're going to run away with a victory and it's something. But what is good about that game is that it's in a, it's about four or five weeks time, I think. So that gives Saints the chance to turn this around, gather a bit of momentum, because yeah, we've got a week where we've got Chelsea, Leeds and Everton, which on paper is not the easiest run of fixtures. Um, with Leeds, you don't really know what you're going to get. You could either thrash them or they could thrash you. But afterwards, we've got in the build up to the Bournemouth game, we've got games against Sheffield United, Brighton, Burnley, Crystal Palace. That is where that's a series of fixtures where you can turn things around. And yeah, we say we're only 10 points above Fulham, but re- we, you know, realistically, with the team that we've got, you've got to be expecting to get a win or two before we do play the Cherries. And, you know, as I completely agree with you, mate, we could finish 16th, we could finish 15th, hell, we could finish 17th, win the FA Cup, 
everyone's going to remember you for being the FA Cup winners and they're not really going to care that you finished 17th in the league. No, and and I'm not I'm not worried about this run of form. I don't know about yourself, but this this run won't last forever. We have been unlucky to say the least. You know, certain things have have not gone our way. Certain things um were our own uh, our own fault, but obviously with the injuries we were unlucky. But that's something that comes from a lack of investment. That's something that comes from burning out players and, and playing them in that in that high-press style twice a week without rotating a squad. That's going to happen. And Hassan needs to um, needs to understand that. The other the other issue being the the, um, the circus that is uh, the English officiating and VAR. Um, <clears throat> I don't yeah, It's highlighted because I'm a Saints fan, but I don't recall one side being so unfortunate for such a a period of time with decisions, maybe eight or nine in the space of the last six losses. I was going to say, you know, you know that point of, oh, it evens out over the season. Well, if it's going to even out, Saints need about 20 penalties between now and the end of the season for it even to come close. But, um, mate, one thing I wanted to ask you, because something in, in the time between us doing our last pod, there was something, a really rare thing happened, rarer than a correct VAR call. We actually, I know, we actually <laughs> saw him. He's real. I knew where you were going with that. Let's talk about that game then. We'll go on to our run to go forward, but let's let's start with the the first of the last couple of games. We went to Molyneux uh, on that Thursday night and we won that game because Ralph Arsenal played the strongest side-ish that he could. Nino Espirito Santo decided not to, to the um, astonishment of some Wolves fans. And Slampton won it convincingly in my opinion and and we progressed through to the next round um Salisu was given a run in, a, a start in the team first appearance in the team he'd been on the bench the week before Vestergaard needed a rest perfect opportunity to put him in and I was really impressed with him yeah I was really impressed too I thought he was really calm on the ball maybe a little bit too calm in some instances in the second half where he gave Wolves a couple of chances but you know it's the, the lads playing his first game in what seven eight months you're going to be rusty you're going to need to get up to speed with it but I thought he was I thought he was actually quite colossal he you know he he read the one thing he did do is he read the game really well and if there was like a cross into the box he cut it out early and yeah there was that one occasion where he let it go under his uh, foot and forced to make the save but there are a lot of instances where a cross from Wolves or a ball into the box was really quickly cut out before it even got to even past like the first man as it were he just got his head on it got his foot on it and you know, basic things, but really sort of underrated qualities. It may not, it may go out for a throw in, but the fact is you've stopped the attack before it can really happen. And I thought his reading of the game was really quite impressive and I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, um, he read the game well. I, I, I agree with that. And <clears throat> having the pace that he has also helps with that. You can read the game and you can uh, you can get there before the attackers do. We need that over and over again. We've only seen one game from him, but I'd, I'm already prepared to go out on a limb to say that he is... He's a rough diamond, and I think over time he he really could become a, a sort of a Rolls Royce of a player. I don't I didn't see enough of his uh, ability on the ball in terms of playing those Vestergaard type passes, those those tricky passes. I thought he was very laid back. Um, you could just see that in his body language early on, the way that he passed the ball out to the to the left back was kind of very nonchalant, very lackadaisical. Um, he was clearly very calm, very confident, which I liked. But that burst of pace is something that we don't have in that position and we've been crying out for for a couple of seasons. The reading of the game, as you said, was great. But his strength as well. When you said he looked like a colossus, I mean, he you've got to look past the rustiness. You know, the the the, the bit where he, the ball came in and he, he missed the clearance and it went through his legs. Or the bit where he kind of... He's looking, he's laid back, he's looking to pass the ball out. Didn't have any options and he kind of, Cruyff turned himself into a bit of a knot. Um, and then he still managed to find his way out of it, but he put someone under pressure, they got the ball and then they almost scored. So you look past that and what, you, what you've got to look at is, is the attributes that he's got. He's almost like, I know it's a different position, but he's almost like a bit of a Mane. You know when Mane first turned up and he, he didn't, he wasn't the Rolls Royce of a player that he is now. But he learned that. What he what he did have was great trickery, great speed. Every now and again, he'd leave the ball behind. 
But once you got it right, he was blistering. Um, and, and I feel like Salisu is that sort of player. With time, he'll become classier, better on the ball. But he just he seemed at times, for, for a first game in, in uh, since the 1st of July, I believe it was, first game in, a, in not in the Premier League, but in England, I, I just felt like, I know, I know Wolves didn't have their best strikers out and they had some youth players, but I just, I just felt like at times it just looked really easy for him um, and he didn't necessarily have to get out of second gear, which is promising. So suddenly we've got a few options at the back. We obviously won 2-0. A, a goal from Danny Ings. We don't care how they go in, but that was a goal that he needed because he hadn't performed to the capabilities that uh, we all know he's, he's able to. Um, he hadn't scored for a while. <clears throat> it was a one-on-one that Danny Ings earlier in the season, end of last season, you think he would have been gobbling them up. Got saved, came back off him, went in the net. He made the run. He timed the run. I, I wasn't convinced that he was it was going to count because even though it looked onside, what does that mean anymore? Yeah. Um, but but he got the goal, and then um, and then the man of the match, Stuart Armstrong, made made uh, made the second goal. Well, Nathan Teller made the second goal. A great little cameo. And a really, really good finish from Armstrong. So it put us through to the next round of the cup. But playing that strong side on a Thursday night, I think, had a bit of an impact on, uh, especially the second half of that game, midday on uh, on on Sunday. Yeah, it did, and you could tell that they were they, they were pretty tired from that, and they then put in a real Rolls Royce of a performance in the first half, and obviously they didn't they never got going in the second half, and we'll never know really how that game would have plan, panned out if no penalty had been given, but Wolves were certainly in the ascendancy at the beginning of the uh, the second half, and Saints just never really got going. Now, a question I want to ask is unfortunately a bad point. Well, there are quite a few bad points about the. Uh, uh, the game, the, the loss to Wolves on on Sunday, you know the, the the defeats and whatever. But in terms of going forward, the loss of Carl Walker Peters to yet another injury. How do you feel that Saints need to go forward? Because I imagine, fingers crossed, if it's a few weeks, fingers crossed he can be back for the the FA Cup quarter final. But in terms of just looking ahead to, you know, we've got another three games in a week. What do you think? Possibly Saints need to have a change in formation. Maybe possibly now we've got Salisu, we play three at the back. because, Or do you think it's going to be a case of Stevens or, God forbid, Jenna Poe at right back? Well, he does have some options, but none of them are ideal, are they? I mean, when you think about it, Carl Walker-Peters or Bertrand are, are probably the, the players that we cannot do without. If we lost Ings for a few games, which we have done, we still managed to tick over and get results. We lost Vestergaard. He's massive for us, but we still did manage to find some clean sheets. When we don't have one of our fullbacks, we have no cover. And when Carl Walker-Peters is injured, and, and the same if Bertrand were to get injured, we are in a predicament where there's no obvious swap. Now, the next, the only other specialist right-back we have is Kane Ramsey, who played one game. And we lost nine nil. No, I'm not saying there's a correlation there. It, you know, and we've seen him. We've seen him a few times before, a few cameos. And I don't know. I don't know how good a player he is, but he is an option if you want to swap a right back for a right back until he's fit again. I wouldn't be too worried about the Carl Walker Peters injury, or as as much as, as as I would be now if Diallo was fit, because I feel that James Ward Prowse would probably just play a stint in there. Not ideal. We want him in midfield, but I think that's what Ralph would do. But Diallo's not fit. Um, and I don't know, I'm not sure when, when he will be or when Carl Walker-Peters will be. So you mentioned the three at the back. It's not something that I want us to go back to because that's where we were when Ralph first took over. It didn't work. We didn't play the system well. And now the only argument for it is you look at our squad of players and you, and you try and fit them into a system where you're not putting square pegs and round holes. And suddenly, Salisu's good. And you don't want to get carried away with the idea that we've got three good centre-backs. Which two do we select? Oh, well, we're missing a right-back, so why don't we just play all three of them and figure it out? Because what that will then mean is that Musa Gineppo will play right-wing-back. And that is suicidal. And from a from a Southampton point of view, footballing terms, that is, I mean, you are, you're asking for trouble. Um, and they will go after him all day. Stevens at right back we know doesn't work. Saw that against Newcastle and he we were exploited there. So in answer to your question, Tom, there is there isn't really an ideal scenario. 
I I mean, a possible solution is I'm not, I, I can't remember if FA Cup matches count for suspension, but if you wanted to put Ward Prowse at right back, you could always try the Yankovic thing again and just hope he lasts longer than 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he, is he due back, Yankovic? Because it was a good few games ago now, but I know, I know we've played we play, the FA Cup game. Mm, I, so, I'll, I'll have a look. I mean, I'd, I'd be, we, we don't know. It, it's hard. To, all, all we've seen is him play for a couple of minutes and get sent off. We don't know how he's reacted to that. We don't know what he's been like in training. If if Ralph thinks he's good enough and he's got his head switched on, then that won't happen again. Then there's a chance he could play. We're playing Chelsea as well, which doesn't help because they're no mugs. What I would say, though, is they are a very possession-based, under Tuchel, they're very possession-based. doesn't seem like there's loads of goals in them. They're hard to break down. So we need to be organised in our, in our shape. And I wonder how how much a right back would be exploited against Chelsea because they're not they're not sort of this Leeds would be more of a worry in terms of the right back because they they'll go half a lever and, and Harrison out there's a good player. So do you put Ramsey in to keep the formation? You know, he's he's a professional footballer, he's a right back. But he played in that game, but no one played well in that game and there are all sorts of things going on. So do we give him a go? Is he our backup right back? If he doesn't trust him, Ralph, then you know, I've got a feeling he's going to go three at the back and I've got a feeling Gineppo's going to be at that right wing-back role and he's played on the left as well and Ralph seems to think he can play there but I'm not sure he can. If it's me, I'd I'd, I'd maybe give Ramsey a go. I mean, there's talk of of, uh, of Bednarak maybe going at right back but contrary to belief, he, he's played at right centre-back in a couple of the games where we've where we've um, had to make changes but he, I, I've never seen him play right back. So... It is a difficult one and Ralph's going to have to find a solution because we didn't get a backup right back. I've just checked the Premier League suspensions and injuries table and apparently Jankovic's return date is the 20th, which would be Saturday. So um, whether that means he's available, I'm not sure. But even so, I think it'd be unlikely if we were to put him there. I What I expect, what, what actually what I would like is probably Ramsey at right back just to keep the for, keep the formation as it is. What I expect is Stevens at right back. I think that's what's going to happen. And the problem, the problem is, I find, is because it's more of just plugging that gap. But the thing, none of them offer the the ability of Walker Peters to drive forward, play those incisive balls with Armstrong as well on that side. And you know, we lose pretty much all of our attacking threat down the right side when we don't have Walker Peters, and then it's all left to to Bertrand. And let's face it, Nathan Redmond isn't exactly firing on all cylinders at the moment, and even in his his new amazing striker role, which so far I don't think he's actually connected with a shot well. I mean, there was a one against Wolves, but I don't, I don't know. That's that's something. There's obviously something Ralph sees in that. It's a weird one with Chelsea because obviously they're, as you said, there's no they're no mugs. They're going to provide a a difficult test. Tuchel is unbeaten so far, I think. And um, they have, they've hardly conceded any goals under him, even in this short time. So it's uh, it's going to be a tricky one. I would like to see Ramsey. I expect Stevens. I mean, there's always an option of playing Armstrong in centre midfield. Now that we've got Minamino in the team and ready and available and looking good, actually. And we, we haven't talked about him yet, but we will. Uh, you've, you've obviously got Gineppo who can play on the wing. You've got Teller who came on and played well in that FA Cup game against Wolves. Redmond can play out there. Uh, you know, we have we have got options. So you could play Ward-Prowse right back, put Armstrong in the middle and play a Gineppo and Redmond or Gineppo and Minamino kind of, you know, combination. We've got enough wingers available now to do that. The, the other, like you said, the other thing is, I mean, you've got to look at the teams we're playing against and whoever plays there is going to come up against either... I'd say Pulisic or um, or Werner when when we come up against Chelsea, two quick, tricky, pacey players. So we need an athlete that can keep up with them, a defender, and then Jack Harrison, who who is exactly the same, rapid, tricky. So although it'd be a test, Ramsey out of those three, out of those options, I would say is more of the athlete. I wouldn't want to see them coming up against Stevens. Ralph tried it. Alan St. Maximan took the mick out of him. Stevens looked like he didn't want to be there. If he put him there again, I'd be very surprised because I don't think Arsenal tends to make that mistake again. He knows if something hasn't worked. He's pretty ruthless. He got rid of Okins and Valerie on loan when we didn't have any options at fullback. So I'd go Ramsey. 
or if he doesn't want to play the youngster, I'd I'd play Ward Prowse and move some things around, get Armstrong in the middle. Either way, Chelsea will be a tricky game and uh, and we'll have to be at our best. But the main thing is I don't want to change too much because we have most of our team back, settled team. They play good football against Wolves in that first half. And the difference this time is we have we didn't play a game in midweek. So we've had a full week's rest, which I feel is really important. Because when we, t- we talk about the Wolves thing again, the problem with the Wolves game is we, we played our first team on the Thursday night. They didn't. So when it came to Sunday, we, we'd played a game two and a half days earlier and they they hadn't. And a few of the players had, but they'd rested the, the main core of their team. So we had enough to, to dominate them with a fierce start, get that goal, should have had more, but we didn't. And once we didn't, and it came out second half, and they were given a lifeline into a game that they were growing into second half, they made some changes and we we couldn't cope with it. And after it went to 1-1 and then 2-1, we were struggling to get back into that game because the lads were tired. So um, we'll have a better chance, but we just the, the crux of this is that we cannot play two games in a week with that intensity, with the thin squad that we've got w- w- without changing players. And that, that stat comes up all the time and I'll stop looking at it now because it annoys me. But actually there is something behind it. And it's that we, we it was, it used to be since Arsenal has taken over, we've given up the most points from winning positions. Now we've given up the most this season of any team. So there's no, we can't blame the whole Arsenal will come in, taking over from Hughes this season. We're doing it again. And there's a reason, there's two reasons for that. Mental fragility, which we obviously have, and we know we have, we don't have those, Leaders, we've seen it. We've lost nine nil twice for goodness' sake. Like we know, we know that our side shits their pants whenever we concede an equaliser. It happened again against Wolves. But also, we don't have the energy. It's the second half of the season. We've it brilliant went at the start of the season when we've got a fully fit squad and we're there aren't all these cup games and we're able to play a game a week and we're able to just dominate sides and go top of the league and play brilliantly. But it's not sustainable over the course of a season with a squad like ours. You could play that way if you had Pep Guardiola's squad, but we don't. So we can't complain. We've had a week to rest. And what Ralph does need to try and do is rotate that squad against Chelsea and then against Leeds. Because we're we're one of... Only us and Leeds have got two games in a week, Premier League, this coming up. And we, and we need to manage it. Because if we don't beat... Chelsea with a full strength side then we've got to go up against Leeds knowing that we need to make changes or we're going to be knackered second half and the way Leeds play we will struggle to keep up and you know obviously if we don't if if we lose against Chelsea then of course we're we're going to Leeds and Everton possibly looking down the barrel of eight or maybe even nine straight league defeats which of course is just absolutely ridiculous because then you're getting up to close to what third like a quarter of the season just point no points whatsoever well, knowing us we'll get up to the, we'll, it will be number nine won't it because that that number no, seems to it, follow us around like the bloody plague yeah it'd be uh, it would be uh horribly poetic but one thing for the Leeds game that i'm quite looking forward to and i don't i, I don't want to look too far ahead but I will, like I normally say on this. But like I say, Vestergaard. Vestergaard. They You've been Leeds, talking this up for weeks, haven't you? Leeds cannot defend set pieces, <laughs> and I just feel that if we can get it, if Warprouse can get his delivery right, then there is a real gold mine ready to be taken advantage of at Leeds. And um, obviously, Bielsa will be telling them don't give free kicks away around the edge of the penalty area, but the way that Leeds play, it's quite frantic. And if their goalkeeper keeps on doing stuff like he did against Arsenal, then there's going to be set pieces left, right and centre. Yeah. And they're missing players as well. You know, they're at the back, they've square pegs, round holes. I think the last game they played, they had Alioski at left back, who has tended to play there, but he's, that's not ideal for them. Um, Cooper was their centre-back. They've had Ailing play at centre-back, who's naturally a right-back. Um, I can't remember who they had at right back, but it, it wasn't ideal. I think they had Stroik has come in as well. Dallas is playing centre mid. So so you can exploit that back line um, as everyone can because they can see goals, but they'll exploit us. And we have to, <clears throat> we have to prepare for 
um, playing against a team that plays like no one else, just kind of Relentless. throwing bodies forward. Um, and and we've, we've got to be ready for that. Now, whether he plays three at the back to try and combat that, so we're not overrun, you know, that's up to Ralph. What, what he does need to start doing, though, in my opinion, Arsenal, it's all, you know, I don't want to be getting on his on his back, but he he needs to be reacting in games tactically because the game on Sunday against Wolves, Nuno won that battle. He changed the game at half time. He swaps the wingers. Neto got a goal from it, but they also started dominating. And I know that we're talking about the the lack of rest for our players and all of that, but that's that's he exploited that um and as soon as they as the first 10 minutes had gone and they'd scored the equalized and they were clearly you know dominating and it was coming then the next goal i said to myself you know we, we, we need to make that change you know we need to it's, it's our turn it's like a game of chess and Hasnutl, i think made a sub i can't remember who it was but it wasn't exactly um exactly fill me with confidence in fact he actually i think he brought on Gineppo and he took off minamino and he took off Armstrong later. And I thought Minamino and Armstrong were, were really important to the way we were playing. And I thought, actually, for the first time in a while, we've had balance in those wide positions. So um, I'd like to see both of those play. Uh, which games they play in, I don't know. But yeah, it seemed, it seemed odd to me that that's, those were the decisions he was making. It's starting now, Ralph. And I don't know if it's because he's panicking because of the near, because of the nine now and our six games on the trot in the league and it's all getting on top of him. But he's starting to make decisions where the fans aren't agreeing. And I don't think they're the right decisions. Whereas he didn't used to do that, Ralph. So it's about managing the squad. It's about managing these two games a week because it's happened a lot of times this season. It will continue to happen, especially if you stay in the cup. Uh, we need to manage these games. And even if he just picks out... You know, he could do it either way. He could, he could rest a few players in one game, rest a few in the other and kind of play a bit of a hybrid in both games or we could put all his eggs in one basket and say look um let's 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 go for Chelsea and then let's rest a few players against Leeds or vice versa but we've had a week and I think we will see a strong side again against Chelsea and I think we'll see a strong side again against Leeds and I just worry that Leeds with their gung-ho style will really exploit us so we it may we may need to make three early changes second half needs to try and think outside the box because uh, we have struggled in the second half and, and the players are tiring. You say think outside the box. I want to think inside the box just at the moment because one position that rarely needs resting is the goalkeeper. Fraser Forster has not conceded a goal in the four games he's played. Yeah, one of them is against Shrewsbury, but to, you got you got Wolves, Liverpool and Arsenal. Do you reckon he's... <laughs> Do you reckon he's? Uh, I, I would. I would give him a run in the league because McCarthy hasn't filled me with confidence recently. You know what? Look, I didn't really think it was a debate to have, but the more it's gone on, the more it's tipping in in favour of of uh, of Big Fraser. And um, he's played well in the cup. And as that's happened, it's coincided with a little bit of dip in form for McCarthy. And let's not forget the last year or so, Alex McCarthy has been unbelievable for us. So and and goalkeepers go through stages where they make mistakes and obviously they're highlighted because they usually end up in goals but he's made quite a few mistakes um and I think after the Arsenal game maybe after the Wolves game one of the cup games that Fraser played in I I put a uh, a poll up on Twitter to say you know who should play who should be number one and um not surprisingly I think it was about 70 percent McCarthy who had my vote and then Fraser got another clean sheet so I think I kind of said, oh, I wonder if this would be any different. Got a few comments and they were more pro Forster. And then obviously it, I might be being harsh, but I don't, that Neto goal, I honestly don't believe Fraser Forster concedes that goal. At his near post, so much bigger in stature. That's not the kind of goal that Fraser Forster concedes. He he spreads himself and it, it comes off one of his arms or, you know, he's just, a, he's a, he's really good at, at kind of covering that space. And there wasn't much to aim at. And McCarthy, it was hit with such venom, he couldn't react. But I don't think Forster has to react. I think he, he covers that area and it comes off him. It might not be pretty, but he saves it. And, you know, it might not be a mistake, but I think it's just another one to add to sort of the last 
months or so for McCarthy. Um, I think he'll I think he'll stick with him. And like you said, they don't need resting. And we're still in the cup, so that's fortunate because both of them will still get games. I just the thing is with Forster, you know, he's kind he's always been an enigma because he's I don't I don't think, and there might be disagreement with this, but I don't think he's ever been a top quality it's hard to say a top quality goalkeeper for Saints and what I mean by that is he's had the record of not conceding goals keeping clean sheets he was in that team that we always talk about the Kuman team where we finished the best we finished and everything else and centre-backs were always changing behind uh, in front of him and he never really made a lot of saves but he was always getting loads and loads of clean sheets and I just think he instills something that you don't appreciate as a fan or you don't get to to hear or get to see because there's no coincidence that every time he plays we concede less goals do you know where I'm coming from so even even if he had Lovren in front of him or he had um Van Dyke or Alderweireld or whoever it was we we just we would always be good at keeping clean sheets different managers different defenses and then he's coming again after a bit of time out he had his issues and he hasn't conceded a goal playing playing behind the same defence that McCarthy is. So I just I, I think it might be if he put it this way, if Forster was in the starting lineup against Chelsea on uh, the weekend, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't have an issue with it. One point going on to that point, like it's it sort of he instills confidence in the players around him. I feel, and one thing I will highlight is I think McCarthy has been really good this season and last season for claiming crosses, a lot of corners and free kicks. And I know Saints play that sort of suicidal high line that catches people offside when it comes to free kicks. But I feel that McCarthy's done really good at claiming stuff. But I felt that Forster, especially against Wolves. He came out a lot of times. You never really saw that before. He really commanded his box. He really commanded his area. Um, you know, even getting headers out for balls that had gone over the top. Um, so I, th I think I think with confidence back, we're seeing the Fraser Forster that we you know we saw before when he first signed for Saints, and he was really quite colossal then. Do you one? But however, just playing devil's advocate, do you reckon maybe the clean sheets are sort of I don't know, they paint a false picture considering that especially Wolves and Shrewsbury sort of had the attacking threat of tumbleweed, to be honest, because... Well, that... you say you say that, but he, he made saves when he needed to. And that's the important thing. Um, and like you said, he was decisive. In these games, he's... The thing is with Forster is he's won, he's won rush outside, out of the box away from, from missing the ball and ending up in the back of the net. And that's, you know, that can happen. But he seems to be really focused and doing the things that we expect the, our goalkeeper to do. And that, that's the difference at the moment. Forster might not be pulling off a, a, a worldy save, although he did against Wolves. He pulled, he pulled off a terrific save against Wolves at that far post. But what he's doing that McCarthy isn't right now is he's making the saves that he should be making. And he's really, what I'm, what I agree with you, I'm really, really pleased to see that he's confident and decisive in his decision-making. He's coming out and he's um, made a one-on-one -on -one in the FA Cup game, one-on-one -on -one save, I think, where he came out and it early, or he came out and swept. Um, it, uh, if, we had, if we had a bit of money and we had something to spend, I think Ralph Hasenutter would buy a new goalkeeper because neither of them are any good with their feet, and we need them to be. So I'd, I'd be looking at maybe in the next few years, depending on, you know, obviously it's finance, but I would expect to see another goalkeeper, personally, who's better with the ball at his feet. But out of those two right now, Forster is the man in form. But McCarthy is a terrific goalkeeper and has been for a while. So Ralph's actually got a nice decision there. And he's actually got what we don't have, or we haven't had for a while, is strength and depth in a position. So looking ahead then to, to the next couple of games, what, what are you personally expecting to see from Saints? I mean, what lineups are you expecting to see? We've kind of touched on it, but there are still a lot of options. He seems to be playing. Let, let's talk about Che Adams and Redmond for a second, because he seems to obviously Shane Long's gone. Dan and Lindelou and uh, Nathan Teller kind of seem to have fallen off the radar a little bit. And Che Adams has been dropped, um, and and he's answered a lot of questions, asking us about his lack of form and goal scoring. And, 
a bit worried that Che Adams, he's had some opportunities. He had one against Wolves, I think it was Wolves, where uh, he'd followed it in. I can't remember if it was close to being offside and hit it with it with his toe poke to his right foot when he was like two yards away from goal, wouldn't use his left. Just wonder if we're losing that confidence with him. And I don't want him to go back to that first season where he was he was not getting in the positions um, to score. I mean, the absolute 50p head of a header he had uh, against Wolves as well. So he's playing Redmond. Feels like we're falling back into the kind of Claude Puel trap of thinking that Nathan Redmond is the next Thierry Henry and, and playing him up front because I don't know if he's playing him there because he, he has pace and Ings is dropping in and he's hoping that there's a sort of combination there with the wide players and he's not expecting them to score goals, which if that's the case, then fine. But he just doesn't seem to be affecting games there. I don't think he's in form. So it, would you... Are you surprised at that? Would you play Adams there? I mean, would you play Minamino up there with with uh, with Ings? Is it a position that that he could quite easily play and has played up front in that false nine position for, for Liverpool? Yeah, that's a really interesting point, and I, I had one I hadn't actually thought of before, but I think it could, it could possibly work. I feel that the reason that Redmond is is up there at the moment is because Ralph sees him as sort of the instigator of the press, the first one to to start. And Redmond, I think, is a player that really, he's a Hasenhutl player. He really buys into the system and beginning the press that maybe Adams doesn't or is just not in the right frame of mind at the moment. I mean, you're right about the about the goals. I think his last goal was the one against Sheffield United uh, last year in the 3-0. Um, since then, obviously, VAR aside, his goal against Man United didn't count. Otherwise, maybe that would have sparked a little bit of confidence in him. But anyway, we've talked about that in our previous episode, so we're not going to go over all ground again. Just yeah. touching on that, just a sec. Yeah. Did you notice that um, Dan Ings went through uh, against Wolves at some point, just that inside right channel, he, a ball was played down and he pointed to where he wanted it. And before the ball was played, he took his arm down and put it down there aside. So... He's been caught offside a few times because his sleeve has been offside. Same with Adams, because they've been pointing as to where they want the ball. So he's kind of arced his run, pointed, so he's in a maybe offside position. And before the ball's played, he brought his arm down. Now, I don't know if that was deliberate. I don't know if they, the lads have maybe been told, look, tell him where you want it early before you make that move or something. Um, and he ended up being onside. And it's just, it was just quite interesting because the, the, the lads are going to have to start finding a way to play these rules. We're, we ended up being done by a handball one instead. But uh, yeah, that's just a point I wanted to bring up because uh, the sleeve is offside. So not moving your arm up is maybe a way of keeping yourself onside these days. That's really interesting. I didn't actually didn't actually notice that at all. Um, yeah, so take, that, take a look at the highlights. Yeah. I can't remember what the chance was. Um, I think he must have missed it in the end. But In terms of... Uh, crappy little highlights from the uh, from the game I was one did play through my mind when you talk about neither goalkeepers good with their feet and that was what with two minutes to go McCarthy just in, in terms of booting it up the pitch ended up booting it out for a throw and then Hooter was just like what are you doing and it was uh... yeah yeah at that point I think I'd had I think I'd had a few um comments on Twitter because I'd said Fraser Forster would have saved that shot and uh, and then people were kind of Jumping at me a bit about that and 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 saying that um you know forces rubbish McCarthy this McCarthy that and then he then he booted the ball out our last opportunity and Ralph kind of showed his uh, lack of appreciation (laughs) (laughs) kind of thought you know there's another thing so he's just he he hasn't got confidence and it'd be interesting to see if Ralph jumps ship or if he backs his man and says no you're going through a blip um and and you'll you'll overcome it with games um and i think that's what it'll do but yeah redmond versus uh, versus adams i mean you playing redmond up front then or has feel- this idea of minamino suddenly uh, changed things for you i do like i do like the idea of minamino i feel that in the games that he's played well, he's played one and a half games or something like that i feel that we haven't actually utilized him as much as we should because he looks a really tidy player against newcastle we played the ball to him constantly in the first half he got a terrific goal and then in the second half we didn't use him at all and he wasn't making the runs now obviously the the pitch against newcastle was in a terrible condition and the ball was rarely traveling f- further than like five yeah. yards but he we weren't we would we weren't like creating decent chances for him to run through against Wolves I thought maybe he was a bit quiet but then again I thought he was underutilized I feel we've there's a you know he's the thing is he's he's pacey and what he offers different to that's different to our current attacking players that we've got available 
he's just technically better than Redmond, than Jenepo. You've got, you know, he, he's at Liverpool have bought him for a reason. And Liverpool fans on Twitter were saying that they're really disappointed that Minamino was loaned out and not maybe Origi or something, because they obviously are questioning why he's not in the lineup. They feel that he can actually offer something. And Saints, as we said in the last episode, when a player of that quality comes about you and you have an offer for him, then you don't turn that down. And I feel that we need to give him the ball more. I'm not going to say he's going to be like a, a, a talisman for the end from now until the end of the season, but you've got a player of that quality. Give him the ball, give him the ball, and just make, let him do his thing. And I'd rather see a natural striker up front in Adams because Ings and Adams did have a good, so almost like a, a telepathic sort of understanding in the beginning of the season. Adams wouldn't even have to look for like cutting it back because he knew that Ings would be there. Like the goal against Burnley at the beginning of the season is that one where he just got put through, could have easily had a shot. And I don't think he's, he's even looking as he plays it back to Ings, who then has the open goal. So it's all about getting that understanding back. And I feel like, like we said, it's, it's square pegs and round holes. I Adam, I prefer Adams up front. He's a natural striker. If you're going to play Redmond, maybe have him as a winger, but make him... You can still have Redmond as a winger and him starting the press. Maybe just say if if, if Redmond's going to start the press, have Adams just sit back a bit deeper. You know, change it. I think it. Adams can start the press. I think Ings can as well. We've seen that. I mean, how many times have we seen Ings getting chances from chasing the goalie down? How many times have we seen <laughs> Adams being a, a real nuisance for, for defenders? The problem is with Adams, I don't know, you know, we don't know the guy... But from a from a kind of a psychological level, he seems to Ralph seems to treat him in a way where I don't know maybe he's a bit fragile. Like when it, when it's not working for him, he'll take him out of the firing line and he'll put him on the bench for a bit. He obviously went so long without scoring, got a goal, and all of a sudden everything he touched turned to gold. And he, he fans favourite, one of our best players. And then the last I'd say the last six or seven games, I haven't really seen the Che Adams that we know and love um or dating all the way back to christmas there were games that i think the fulham game i was watching thinking he hasn't done anything and i'm finding myself thinking that more and more regularly he hasn't played the last couple but i think he he, he avoids criticism because he's so popular um but i do sometimes i see people jumping on other players backs and i'm thinking and they're saying oh adam should have stayed on and i'm thinking he did the guy did nothing in that game and I really rate him. When he's on form, I rate him. I think he's brilliant, him and Ings. But it just seems like, why is he not on form? Why, why do we have these peaks and troughs? Is he, is he that much of a confidence player? You know, he's only young. If he's not scoring goals, does he suddenly feel like he's not contributing? Because that's not the case. Because he holds up the ball well when he presses. So I'd like to see us back him. I'd like to see him and Ings create that partnership again. And I'd love to see Armstrong and Minamino on the, the two wings. Because I think, apart from Walcott, who I think was very clever in how he picked up on what Harstenetal wanted. And he played, he, he managed to adapt his game almost immediately to play off the flank, in between the lines, get the ball and turn and dribble. And he gave us something that other players don't because he's so good and quick with the ball at his feet. But I feel like Armstrong and Minamino play the way Harstenetal wants those wide tens to play neither of them are wingers both of them are kind of inverted wingers and, that, and that's what we need um, and I just felt there was a real balance before they got taken off against Wolves and although Minamino wasn't directly involved in a lot of our attacks and Armstrong was I just feel like he, he was picking up those positions where I think Vestergaard gets the ball Romero gets the ball Ward Prowse even picks it, picks it up looks up that's where we play well, is we fire the ball through the lines behind the midfield. All of a sudden, we're running up the defence. And it's not it's not rocket science. That's what we've been doing well when we've been playing well. And now I feel Minamino's a player that is really designed to play that role. And uh, and obviously, he played at Leipzig. Uh, no, no, not Leipzig. He played at... Um, Salzburg, the other, one, the other Red Bull. Salzburg, yeah. Salzburg, yeah. Played there, but he, he, knows, he knows that style. Ralph, <laughs> Ralph knows him and knows that he knows that style. So... I, I'm looking forward to that. I think our front six really should be great. Um, I think the rest of our, our team should be great as well. It's right back where we're struggling. Yeah. And one point I wanted to really quickly make about Adams, and it's something that I think is really underrated by fans, and he brings to the table instead of maybe other options, especially when we had Long up there, Redmond, Walcott. The guy's passing range is fantastic. I don't think... like. You say don't, maybe we don't feel that he sometimes feel he's not uh, contributing, but let's let's not forget like 
he plays that first time ball to Walcott against Wolves. Wolves um, Walcott puts that away, makes it 2-0. That's an assist for Adams. He makes some absolutely sublime passes that are just not capitalised on. And I think it's a really underrated part of his game. And he brings that and he's... he's his link-up play with Ings, I feel, is fantastic. When they're on form, it, it is sensational. But I've been really impressed with what he does. It, it, the thing with Adams, I found when he's on, when he's confident, he gets his head up quickly. He moves the ball quickly, and he. Uh, uh, well, I, keep on saying it but it's, it's the um what he can do in terms of setting up other players is is really good so that's why i'd like to have him on and i feel that even though redmond is maybe better suited at the moment in terms of what ralph wants redmond he's been playing there i just redmond's not in form he kept quite a few air kicks against wolves so yeah Che up front, in terms of if we're going to predict a lineup, I would go in terms of the front six. I think we'd see something a bit more a bit more regular, maybe Adams, Ings, Minamino, Armstrong. And then obviously we 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 know the rest of the team really apart from apart from right back. It just depends against Chelsea of which centre back pairing you play. Yeah. And and goalkeeper. And goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel he will still go with McCarthy. I'd like to see Forster given a run because it's the same as you know, if any player goes through a poor run of form, you sometimes bring them bring them out of the uh, the firing line, let another player take their chance. If McCarthy's out of form and Forster's in, you know, it seems to be a bit of an obvious choice. But there Obviously, you go. We uh, we both rated Salasu's first first impression of him. If you're playing a centre back pairing, and Vestergaard is obviously going to be one of them, would you make that call this early to to start him with Vestergaard, or is is Jan Bednarak? Um, too solid and been playing too well over the course of the last year or two to to drop at this point. I don't feel it's a case of dropping. I think it's a case of you, mate, as you said earlier, of rotation. We've got three games in a week. Maybe play one centre-back pairing against Chelsea and another centre-back pairing against Leeds. Maybe, obviously, I mean, I've made the point many, many times over the past few weeks, Vestergaard has to start against Leeds, if I'm being completely honest. Maybe... I feel like Vestergaard has to play every game. Yeah, he's fit I think I think he I think he's one of the first names on the team sheet. It's just then whether you play Bednarak or Salasu. But you make a really good point. Why not play one against one and another against another? You know, is is Bednarak better suited to a, a side that's sitting back without possession whilst Georgino and Co piss about with it? And, and then deny anything that comes towards the goal. Whereas is Salasu's pace more useful against a, a to-and-fro lead side where, where it could end up like a game of basketball, you know? So so sometimes people don't think like that and sometimes managers don't and they'd rather just, you know, your back four is your back four and your goalie and that never gets changed. But horses for courses and, and we have suddenly, for the first time in a long, long time, since this podcast started, I believe, we have options at centre-back, Tom. You put in a sound effect here for some sort of celebration because it's been a long time coming. Um, and then to have Stevens as a fourth-choice centre-back, you know, I think that's pretty good going. Yeah, I mean, what you, as you said, you and I, especially when we're talking, this is a debate we've had many a time when we've been doing the like the pre-match onto the audio description. Just like we look at who's at centre-back and you're feeling, right, OK, we've got to have, I suppose they're the only options. But now we actually have decent centre-back options and we just don't have any at fullback no. we don't have any at fullback <laughs> well, no, no. but I your point that you made about who to play which game I couldn't agree more it's exactly the point I wanted to make as well is that I feel that the pace of Sal Salasu against Leeds is you know I think I feel is is integral you talked about um how Bednarik we it's been in, the, in, a, in a podcast a while ago about how he sometimes brings the ball out, but he doesn't have the pace to then recover if he loses it. Salasu seems like that kind of player that can make a recovery or just the reading of the game's better. And he then has the pace to add to that, to get to the ball in the time to cut out that attack. Obviously we will see what happens. We may be completely wrong. It may be one or the other for different ones. It may be a case if we beat Chelsea and Ralph decides that you don't want to change a winning team. Who knows? That is a bit, you know, that is a bit to his downfall, especially when you've got games coming up in midweek, is that you don't want to change a winning team. But as we've seen, the squad isn't big enough to make those choices. But thankfully, I mean, we'd be we'd be going if Walker Peters wasn't injured, we'd be going into the Chelsea match thinking, right, we've got pretty much a near to full strength squad to choose from. We're yeah. feeling confident. 
it's because Walker Peters adds so much to the game and we're feeling we don't have a natural, a, a really natural replacement. We've got Ramsey, but obviously he doesn't have a huge amount of experience and it's against some terrific players. But take that out. We're going into Chelsea. We're going into this run of games with Vestergaard back, Salisu's playing. We've got Romeu back. You know, Ings has, most important, big point, Ings has now got two goals in two games. You know, you can feel that that confidence is back. And who knows, when Ings is confident, you've always got a chance of putting something in the back of the net down the right end. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is the way it's going to go, but I, th I feel like it is the way it should go. I feel like at centre-back, we need to rotate between these Chelsea and Leeds games. We need to do the same up front and we need to do the same on the wing. We don't have the capacity to do it at full-back, unfortunately. Um, and Romeo and Ward-Prowse, I feel, will start both games. But it might be a case of bringing on a, someone like a Jankovic second half against Chelsea, just so that you're not getting a full 90 for someone like Romeo. Just doing those sorts of things. Um, you know, Armstrong maybe starts both games, but we, we take him off in both games or something like that. If, if we continue to see the same side playing twice in a matter of days, then especially against Leeds, last team you want to do it against. So I'm hoping that that's, that's the same sort of thing that Ralph's thinking at the moment. And he's not just trying to throw his best team at every game and hope that we can halt this run of, of defeats. But something's got to change because because um, it's not working on a consistent basis. Do you think we're going to get anything from these next two games then? Or do you think next time we talk, we will be 0-8? as the Americans would say. No, I don't think we're 0-8. I think it'd be typical Saints to actually get a victory on Saturday. I, I, I feel we're going to win one of the games, if I'm being completely honest. Don't know about Chelsea. I feel like under Tuchel, they've now actually got like a real defensive solidarity. They're going to be a tough nut to break down. And obviously they've got quality going forward and they've got they've got squad depth and they've got terrific players to choose from. I think Havertz is back from injury. Obviously, he hasn't set the world alight, but under a different manager who probably knows him a bit better than Lampard, then it's going to be a case of can that sort of ignite the fire, as it were. I've, I'm The game I'm most looking forward to is the Leeds game. I feel that's going to be a really exciting watch for the neutral. Two good teams that, count, that do counter-attacking just so well. And I, th I feel it's going to be high scoring. Q and nil nil, but um, that uh, the Leeds game is the one I would expect to win from. If I'm being completely honest, I feel that's the, that's more realistic. But it's a it's a weird one. We could get thrashed or we could thrash them. I don't think it's, it's going to be. It's a shame. It's a shame that Walker Peters isn't playing for that game because I'd see that he would really fit into that going up and down that right wing. You talk. You talk just briefly before we finish this up. Then we wrap this up. You talk about and 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 a few. It's been mentioned not just by yourself but by a few people that um, the next few games are tricky, tough. And then we have a bit of a run after that. That's okay. I'm not sure it's as tough a run as we think it is. Chelsea are not the Chelsea that they've been over the last, well, however however long now, last decade. I, I look at Chelsea's team and I, I don't see too much to be scared of. Whereas before, they used to come down here and they'd have Hazard, they'd have Costa, they'd have Fabregas. Before that, they'd have Lampard. Drog, but there's, there's always something to worry about with Chelsea. I look at their, you say they've got strength and depth and quality. I'm not, I'm not sure who really worries me massively. Who is that player? The first time in a long time with Chelsea. You know, Werner is pacey, can't hit a barn door, but he did score recently and he has been getting assists. Ziyech looks good, but he hasn't really been playing much. Havertz, I still don't know what he does, apart from cost a lot of money. Pulisic, Pulisic is their main player, I would say, but he's in and out of the side with injury and and, and whether he's chosen or not. And, and with Tuchel, good luck trying to guess the lineup because he seems to be changing players every single week, regardless of form. So we could get something from that game. Like you said with Leeds, we could win 4-0, we could lose 4-0. That game, uh, who knows? You know, don't predict a Leeds game. And then Everton after that, we're getting maybe getting ahead of ourselves a bit, but it's the third game coming up what in the, in the space of what a week it's on um, monday uh, it's on it's a monday night kickoff that okay, one okay so yeah sort of nine days they haven't for how well they're doing they've just lost at home to fulham and they do tend to lose games at home that they're expected to win uh newcastle recently springs to mind maybe a couple of others so goodison isn't goodison's never an easy place for us to go and saints have always struggled there but for a side who's playing so well and so high up in the league, I wouldn't put it past us to get something at Goodison. 
uh, got a draw there last season, I think, in, in Project Restart. Um, Ings took a pass to keeper, didn't that? I think it was that one. So, oh yeah, Ward Prowse hit the bar, didn't he, from a penalty? So, so we're in these games. None of them are foregone conclusions either way. And that should be exciting and treated as a real opportunity for Saints, not just to halt this run, but to get a few points on the board. At the same time, those are three very losable games for a side that are struggling at the moment. So um, a lot of football to look forward to for Saints. If look forward to is, is the words that the fans want to want to hear um, and would use for that. But I think there's opportunity to halt this run and turn things around before a nice run of games that includes a South Coast game, not a derby, close geographically are the team that we're playing. But yeah, they'll, they'll you know, and that game will come in. All of a sudden, there's, a, there's an opportunity for us to be in a really good place this season. So let's get the monkey off our back. Let's get this run gone. And let's see if we can pick up a couple of wins in the, in the next few games because we've got the players to do so. So long as we can... Uh, figure out that conundrum at right back absolutely so saints fans what do you think we will be uh we'll be saying this time next week or in the next couple of weeks will we what what do you think the results are going to be over the next week do you think saints can end this run please let us know in the comments thank you very much for listening if you want to find the podcast you can find it on twitter at under underscore saints you can find me at t214 murray yep you can find me at callum wilson 21 thanks uh very much for listening uh, stay safe. Stay wonderful. <laughs>